Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the YouTube show that returns from vacation to talk about Notre Dame football in the deadest part of the sports calendar. Uh, I'm Tyler James, co-publisher of Inside Indy Sports on the Rivals Network, and I'm joined by Charleston Bowles, our lead recruiting writer on Inside Indy Sports. We are closing in on two weeks until preseason camp gets rolling for Notre Dame football, but the focus this time of year is still on recruiting. Of course, you can still send us questions about the upcoming football season, but um most of the topics Charleston and I have on our outline will be recruiting related, but you can ask us whatever you'd like to know about the recruiting or football news and projections and everything that comes with the upcoming season for Notre Dame football. So please ask away. Uh, we'll answer as many of those questions as we can throughout the show. Um, and even we appreciate it if you drop us a note and say hello, even if you don't have us have a question for us. And as always, like we like to remind you, make sure you give this video a like down below and subscribe to our inside any sports channel it costs you nothing and helps us out a lot and if you turn on your notifications you'll never miss any of our content here on youtube um the recruiting news in the 2024 class hasn't been particularly positive for notre dame um since landing four-star athlete bronte johnson a top 100 recruit who's projected to play safety back on june 24th four-star tight end carter nelson committed to nebraska Three-star wide receiver Isaiah Canyon flipped his commitment from Notre Dame to Georgia Tech. Five-star defensive tackle Justin Scott committed to Ohio State. And four-star defensive end Elijah Rushing committed to Arizona. I wanted to focus on two of those recruits specifically with you, Charleston, Justin Scott and Isaiah Canyon. First with Justin Scott, how surprised were you that he ended up picking Ohio State? Yeah, uh, as always, Tyler, want to uh, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, so this commitment, you know, pretty much came as a shock to um, mostly everybody, including me. Um, it was kind of a late Sunday night um, affair when he made his decision public. And um, I was shocked. I thought it was between um, Miami and Georgia. Um, and then Notre Dame maybe had an outside shot if they were able to get him uh, on campus this fall for an official visit. Um, I know there, um, you know, he it had expressed interest in coming back uh, in the fall for an official visit, uh, potentially that Ohio State game. And uh, surely enough, you know, uh, he'll be joining the Buckeyes class as it stands right now. And I think, um, you know, it, we Notre Dame felt good about, you know, where they were with Scott um, in the spring. Um, obviously that, you know, commitment date that he had and then uh, he pushed back. Um, I think Notre Dame had a good spot, a uh, good, you know, spot in his recruitment. But after that, once he, you know, took his official visits pretty much everywhere else but Notre Dame in June, um, I think the writing was on the wall. Um, so just kind of the reaction to his commit commitment was surprising. Um, but when you look at, you know, what Ohio State provides, um, especially with defensive line coach uh, Larry Johnson and um, his kind of ability to develop and um, turn out All-Americans at college, but also uh, produce NFL draft picks um, in, you know, the first round, the top three, four rounds, day two, um, I think, you know, it was uh, the best, you know, situation that Scott saw, saw for himself. And um, he, you know, went ahead and gave his verbal commitment. Yeah, going all the way back to when he had intended to originally announce a commitment back in January, um, part of the reason that that hesitation came was because Georgia was getting in the mix. But at that time, Ohio State was also showing some more interest as well. Um, and the or the recruitment sort of took a step back and got delayed. And so he looked into some more options. Um, I always thought Notre Dame would get another chance to get him on campus. Um, and that did not come to fruition um, after the, he made his official visits elsewhere. 
Um, the fact that he picked Ohio State was pretty surprising to me. Um, there wasn't a lot of smoke with him and the Buckeyes until very recently. And now I know um, Jeremy Birmingham at Dotting the Eyes, our Ohio State site from Rivals, um, expressed following the visit that they thought that Ohio State was a serious contender and then that Michigan was also a serious contender. And then I had been hearing from sources um, even days before he committed to Ohio State that Michigan was a school that Notre Dame was specifically worried about. Um, and so that was the fact that it ended up being Ohio state was a bit surprising in the grand scheme of things. If you think about like what you said, the, the, the opportunity that Ohio state could present him as a, as a defensive lineman working, uh, playing for defensive line coach, Larry Johnson, who has produced a lot of good defensive linemen, though most of them have been more ends than tackles, but I'm not sure that that necessarily, um, resonates as specifically with a, with a high schooler um, when you get down to that fine of a, a detail. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a tough loss for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. Um, but I don't think Notre Dame's going to give up quite yet. I think Notre Dame's going to continue to be on him because it knows how much he liked Notre Dame to begin with. Um, what do you think Charleston in terms of Notre Dame's odds of eventually flipping him and getting him into Notre Dame's class and out of Ohio State's class. Yeah, I know there's a lot of debate on, you know, whether to push for um, flips, you know, during this time in the cycle heading into uh, kind of the final stretch. But um, I think when you look at Scott, he's a five-star uh, for a reason. He's a top-ten player nationally. Um, I think Notre Dame would be wise to push uh, for him to flip. I think um, if you're, you know, the Irish coaching staff, you hope that maybe Larry Johnson retires at the end of uh, this upcoming season. Um, I know there's kind of been speculation about that, and I'm sure he had to kind of have a sit down with Scott and his family and at, uh, during his official visit and kind of uh, let him know that, you know, he's there in Columbus for the for the long haul. Um, but I think uh, Notre Dame, you know, it would be wise to, you know, keep pushing just because he's a Chicago area kid. Um, very good relationship with Cam Williams, um, CJ Carr. Um, and, you know, decisions, you know, it can be a flip flop. Um, by the time, you know, early signing day comes around. Um, so I think Notre Dame would be wise to um, push. I don't think it's likely that he flips. I think Ohio State sees him as a centerpiece of their class. Mm -hmm. uh, their class is number two right now in the uh, rivals 2024 uh, class rankings. Um, and I think, you know, he sees himself as that centerpiece. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, people want to play with. Um, but I think Notre Dame would be wise to, you know, keep pushing. But um, I do think he sticks with Ohio State. Yeah, his, his recruitment was to – uh, unpredictable to sort of give up on him. Um, I think you'd have to sort of uh, see that through. He seemed very impressionable. It seemed like after every official visit he made, he spoke so highly of the school that he ended up committing to, or that he that he just visited. Um, then he ended up committing to the school that he visited last. So it's like, well, if, if 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 is it that a coincidence, or does he just love Ohio State that much more than he loves all the other schools? Um, so I think Notre Dame needs to keep fighting there to see if they can get him back on campus and maybe um, sway him back Notre Dame's way. I, I don't think it's going to be very easy to do that, um, but I think it's worth the effort to do that. Um, in order to do that, I would think Notre Dame would have to have a great season on the defensive line, um, have some guys really stand out at the defensive tackle position, um, and because I think – more than anything, Scott would need to be convinced that Al Washington can do for him what Larry Johnson can do for him at Ohio State. Um, 
it's clear that Notre Dame's poll in terms of proximity and its academic poll wasn't able to sway him beyond what Ohio State can offer him. Not that he can't get a great education at Ohio State as well, um, but that what Notre Dame saw as its advantages um, didn't necessarily play out in Notre Dame's favor. But you never know until it comes to signing day, so you can't rule anything out. And uh, it's worth continuing those lines of communication as long as Justin Scott will listen to you. Um, the other one I mentioned is Isaiah Canyon, who stepped back from his Notre Dame commitment kind of out of nowhere. I think that was someone that I was anticipating Notre Dame would need to sort of keep an eye on down the stretch, but sort of the timing of it was sort of like, okay, this is happening. He's going he's gonna to decommit from Notre Dame, and then not long after that, committed to Georgia Tech. How big of a loss – is Isaiah Canyon for Notre Dame? Yeah, I think Canyon's uh, decommitment is a decent size loss. Uh, just when you look at it, look at what he provides. I know Rivals has him at 6'4", 190, um, and he's kind of, you know, that tall, um, leaner frame uh, that mm -hmm. maybe Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert, uh, the two current uh, Notre Dame 2024 wide receiver commits, necessarily don't have. Mm -hmm. um, I was really looking forward to maybe watching him work out at Irish Invasion. I know he wasn't able to make it up. Um, and I kind of, you know, he committed back in April and things were quiet. He came on his official visit. I, I mean, he sent out a tweet um, of him kind of, you know, uh, dunking on uh, head coach Marcus Freeman. And, you know, things look good. But um, I think this is an instance of just, you know, pulling a kid from SEC country uh, down south. Um, and we saw that even though he didn't uh, commit to a school in the SEC, uh, he gave his verbal commitment to Georgia Tech, um, you know, shortly thereafter his decommitment. So I think this is a a decent size loss just because of the luxury of having him in the class with two talented wide receivers like uh, Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert. Um, but I think if you're Notre Dame, uh, you know, you accept it, you move on and you're confident in what you already have in the class. Yeah. The proximity that Notre Dame was hoping would play in its favor with Justin Scott, I think certainly played a, a significant role in Isaiah Canyon's decision to step away from his Notre Dame commitment and stay closer to home with his, near his family. Um, I think in terms of the impact on Notre Dame, it would hurt more if Notre Dame wasn't having so much recruiting success at wide receiver under Chancey Stuckey. Um, Rivals rates Isaiah Canyon as only a three-star recruit. I think he's a bit underrated uh, with where Rivals has him right now, but I understand sort of the hesitancy with him because he's more of a project than a finished product. He plays a lot of quarterback, um, isn't, isn't necessarily a polished wide receiver yet, but his athleticism is certainly intriguing. Um, he plays multiple sports. He's a good outfielder in baseball, um, has good range. So I, I think he was someone that I was very interested in seeing him, um, the way his sort of career played out and his development. And uh, Georgia Tech has to be thrilled that is able to get him. I, I have to imagine they can't be extremely confident that that's the end of his recruitment. Um, but – at least for now, Isaiah Canyon is committed to Georgia Tech, and we will see um, if that changes moving forward. Um, the sting for Notre Dame, I think, is like I said, I don't think it's huge, but it, I think it's a little bit sharper just because Notre Dame sort of chose not to pursue a fourth wide receiver in this class, um, and now it's stuck with two wide receivers now because it, it chose to to stick with its three. Um, so. It, it's going to have to do some work in terms of reevaluating where it stands with some of the other 2024 wide receivers, who it wants to prioritize. 
um, and if it wants to prioritize anyone, what what do you think Notre Dame should do, Charleston? Do you think that Notre Dame should pursue someone? Is there any guys you have in mind that Notre Dame should pursue, or should they sort of maybe say, okay, we're fine with two, and let's just really load up in that 2025 class? Yes, I think we'll know more closer to the season when we start to hear um, certain guys may be, you know, interested in making a game day visit. Um, but I think one guy that kind of sticks out to me right now is um, a name that, you know, plenty of fans are probably familiar with who follow recruiting uh, 2024 uh, wide receiver Jason Robinson from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a four-star wide receiver who uh, was on Notre Dame's board um, throughout the spring. I know he visited in the spring. Um, I know you caught up with him after that visit. And, you know, he seemed like a guy uh, who, you know, Notre Dame would, you know, be interested in uh, having for an official visit in June. And then uh, Isaiah committed and, you know, things kind of uh, shifted from there. Notre Dame chose not to pursue. And um, the thing with Robinson is he committed to Washington uh, after his official visit this summer. But um, mm-hmm. as we've seen, if you, you know, look at his, um, his recruitment history, he, he's already backed off one pledge uh, to USC um, right. back in the back in the winter. Uh, so, you know, he could be a guy, if, you know, Coach Stuckey feels like, um, they really need a, a third guy in this 2024 class. Um, they could look to maybe kind of uh, rekindle that relationship heading into the fall and uh, potentially get him on an official. Um, but also, um, I know we'll talk about later, the 2025 class um, is full of guys um, who look like studs on film and have you know genuine interest in uh, Notre Dame moving forward. So I think Robinson is the one guy for me, but um, I think it's probably a little bit too late uh, to maybe – uh, focus on other guys in the 2024 class. Yeah, I mean, with Robinson, he wouldn't give you the size that Isaiah Canyon had, and I think that was a little bit of the hang-up for Notre Dame in saying, let's not push for him as a fourth guy because we would like to have a little bit more size from a kid um, if we're going to bring in a fourth wide receiver. So I do think like if Notre Dame chose, like, hey, like, hey let's go after him, I think you can sort of spin it like, hey, we wanted you we filled up a wide receiver and now we're not full. So we, we still want you. It was nothing against you. It was just the way the timing sort of worked out with that. Um, me personally, I, I think Notre Dame should sort of maybe sniff around some of the elite recruits, check back in with Ryan Wingo. I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to go anywhere far, but he's the number 18 prospect in the country, a five-star recruit. I would at least kick the tires there. He's, he's been um, in touch with Notre Dame for a long time. Jeremiah McClellan, another wide receiver who's also both those guys are from the St. Louis area. I would check with those guys. Jeremiah McClellan is former teammates with Notre Dame freshman running back, Jeremiah Love. Um, And a guy that Notre Dame hasn't really done much with is Gatlin Blair, a fast rising wide receiver prospect out of Idaho. Um, He's the number 40 overall prospect on rivals. Um, I would see maybe if there's some interest there. I haven't heard anything specific about whether Notre Dame is that interested in him. Obviously, um, that was not someone that Notre Dame was in on earlier, um, but obviously they're in a different situation now, and so maybe could reconsider and then sort of explain to him as well, like, hey, we didn't offer you previously because we were full, but now we're we're looking for another guy. But I wouldn't expect extend myself too thin if I were Chancey Stuckey because the 2025 class has a lot of interest. Like you mentioned, Taylor Taylor is a wide receiver from the Chicago area. He's number 26 overall, Dalen McCutcheon number 99 overall out of Texas, Taz Williams Jr., number 135 overall. Um, those guys have all been on our campus. Derek Meadows, who was a camp offer earlier this summer, um, really likes Notre Dame out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Jerome Bettis Jr., naturally um, uh, a recruit that is very interested in Notre Dame. Cooper Perry has been 
to Notre Dame's campus out of Arizona. So I think if Notre Dame's going to pursue 2024 wide receivers, um, it needs to make sure that it's confident that this is a guy that can play for us here, can really make a difference for us. And Notre Dame has that luxury because it, it was able to get such a good wide receiver class in the 2023 class, the incoming freshman class. And I think they're pretty sold on what they were able to get in that class and feel pretty confident that those guys are going to be able to, to make a difference for, for Notre Dame in the future. Um, a reminder to please send in questions. Let's get in this one first from Frank Sarah. Frank Sarah says, I love these podcasts. When does fall camp start? Um, and as I alluded to at the start of the show, um, that Notre Dame will get its fall uh, preseason practice. Fall is a bit of a stretch considering it's going to be the end of July. But in the last week of July, Notre Dame will get things rolling um, because the season starts earlier for Notre Dame with Notre Dame starting in the last week of August and playing what people refer to as a week zero game in Ireland. They have to start camp earlier in order to get everything in and be on schedule. So summer is a bit shorter here uh, in, in South Bend um, when it comes to Notre Dame football. So that's why we're we're closing in on two weeks from, from preseason camp getting underway. I, I think I'm going to have to. I don't like calling it fall camp even in August, but uh, I think since it starts in July, I have to exclusively call it preseason camp personally. All right, getting back to recruiting. But like I mentioned, if you have questions, please send them in. They do not have to be recruiting related either. It can be about Notre Dame's upcoming season, um, anything that you want to talk about regarding Notre Dame football. Um, so circling back to Notre Dame's 2024 class, the remaining target list is pretty short now. It's essentially – Four-star offensive tackle, Gerby Lambert. Five-star defensive tackle, Justin Scott, who, as we mentioned, is committed to Ohio State, but Notre Dame's going to continue to kick the tires there. Four-star linebacker, Kingston Viliamuasa. Four-star linebacker, Bradley Shaw. Four-star cornerback, Caleb Beasley, who's committed to Tennessee. And three-star athlete, Davis Andrews, who Notre Dame is committing, recruiting as a safety. Um, and he's more or less a 2026 recruit than a 2024 recruit because he plans to take a two-year mission. But um, for all intents and purposes, we're considering him a 2024 recruit because he is a will be a senior in high school this upcoming season out there in Utah. So, Charleston, of those recruits, and maybe it could be other guys, but how many, how many of those recruits do you think Notre Dame ends up signing? Yeah, I'm really torn uh, between two and three right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think one that um, I'm feeling most confident in right now is Lambert. Um, they were able to get his first official visit uh, back in, I think, June 2nd to 4th uh, before he made other officials uh, to Boston College and um, Ohio State. Um, and I think Notre Dame, you know, made a really good impression on him, um, even though he's, he's kind of a quiet kid, doesn't uh, do many interviews, doesn't, you know, post a lot to social media. Um, but I think, you know, um, I'm a believer in the trenches and I think Notre Dame is as well. Uh, we've seen how, you know, the teams have been built in the past and, uh, not only is he, you know, a top five player at his position, a top 65 player nationally, according to rivals, um, he's at a position of need, uh, offensive tackle. And I think, you know, a lot of Notre Dame fans uh, want, you know, Notre Dame to get, you know, more athletes on, on you know, at corner and wide receiver and uh, get, you know, faster as a team to compete with the Alabamas, to compete with the Georgias. Um, but I think, you know, while you do that and while, you know, it's needed, um, you also have to make sure, you know, you're putting just as much attention um, into the O&D lines um, as you have previously. Um, so I think Lambert is one, is one that I'm really confident in. 
Um, and then Andrews is another uh, guy, like you said, uh, more of a 2026 kid because uh, of his mission trip. Um, but I think uh, Coach O'Leary has really sold him on coming to Notre Dame. And um, I know, you know, pretty much every safety we, we talk to brings up Kyle Hamilton, but um, he got, you know, a chance to talk with Kyle Hamilton in the spring. And um, I just more think than, he more than talk. He got, he got to golf with him. That was, that was pretty cool. So he got, he got the the true Kyle Hamilton treatment because he was on campus um, at the same time Kyle Hamilton was and, and got to get to play around a golf with him. Yeah. So I just feel like Davis is comfortable, um, you know, making that move from, you know, the West coast to uh, South Bend. And then um, I know everybody's waiting for Kingston um, right now, I'm not too confident that Notre Dame is in a good spot. Um, I know we'll get into him later, um, kind of more in depth uh, about his recruitment and his upcoming decision. Um, so right now I'm at two, um, depending on what happens with Kingston, uh, you know, might see how Notre Dame prioritizes uh, Bradley Shaw, even though, you know, he's going to be tough to pull from the South, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would I would lean towards three with sort of the same top two that you mentioned, Gerby Lambert and Davis Andrews, um, starting to consider putting a rival's future cast prediction in for Gerby Lambert, um, even though he has been uh, a little bit uh, of an interesting recruit to follow. Um, Davis Andrews, I've had a rival's future cast prediction in since early June. Um, Still feel good about Notre Dame's chances of ending up with him in the 2024 class. Um, Kingston Villamuasa is a little bit tougher to determine. Um, Notre Dame has always felt pretty good about where it stands with him and, and felt really good coming out of his official visit. But Ohio State has sort of felt that same way coming out of its official visit. USC seemed to have some confidence. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Jeremy Birmingham, who had reported that Justin Scott was sort of what they were hearing, maybe considering committing between Ohio state and Michigan and eventually committing to Ohio state. Um, he had felt, or he had heard that there was more concern with USC um, from Ohio state's point of view um, than with Notre Dame. Now is Ohio state right on both of those? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, we will get a commitment decision from Kingston Villiamuasa later this month. So at least we know when to expect to hear from him. Um, don't, there aren't, dates set for Gerby Lambert or Davis Andrews, though I would expect both of them will likely make decisions um, here before the, the end of their summers and going into their senior seasons. Um, so those, those are the three that I feel the best with for Notre Dame and sort of in that order. Um, although I guess I probably would put Andrews before Lambert since I had already put a prediction in for, for Andrews. Um, and then Bradley Shaw, I don't really know. What will happen there? I, I, I'm still not sold that they would really push for him if Kingston Villamuasa joins the class. Um, Caleb Beasley, I think there's still a chance there. I don't. I, I don't think Notre Dame's giving up there, um, even though he's committed to Tennessee and has sort of made it seem that he won't make any other visits. Although Notre Dame hopes that changes. I think uh, Oklahoma was a school that uh, it hoped to get Caleb Beasley on campus during June for an official visit, and that never happened. So that's a good sign for Tennessee in terms of preventing him or keeping him from, I guess that's probably the wrong way to say it, but at least him not making other visits and, and keeping him in the class. Um, so I think uh, those are those are the big guys. I think all those guys will be pretty significant additions to Notre Dame's class. So it's going to be an interesting next few weeks here. Um, in terms of Gerby Lambert, how, how important 
do you think he would be for, for Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, on paper, he's everything you want in an offensive tackle, um, right. especially coming to Notre Dame where, you know, a lot of recruits we talk to talk about O-Lyman o U and uh, Notre Dame's kind of prestige when uh, producing offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm, I'm a believer in, you know, building from the inside out. And uh, on paper, he'd be a perfect addition to this class. When you already have an offensive tackle like, you know, Styles Prescott, who um, might be, you know, kind of a project two to three years down the line. Mm -hmm. um, I think Lambert um, is a little bit more, you know, college ready, um, his body. Um, and then, you know, from everything, um, you know, I hear he's really serious about academics. Um, I know he either took an unofficial or official or maybe had some interest in Harvard um, at a point in his recruitment. So um, I think Notre Dame's in a good spot. And I mean, getting him in this class would, you know, it might not be the, you know, the thing that gets other fans riled up or maybe, um, is the most trendy thing, but I think it's something that uh, if you want to contend um, in, you know, the college football playoff right. for years to come, I think, you know, getting him in this class and potentially getting a, a two, three-year starter at the position is is awesome. Yeah, and would give Notre Dame a second, like, highly recruited, highly thought of offensive lineman in this class, Peter Jones being the first who Joe Rudolph has inherited, but for Joe Rudolph to go out and get Garby Lambert um, it would give Notre Dame a more impressive class and would provide some confidence that Joe Rudolph can be the kind of recruiter um, that Notre Dame needs him to be and, and sort of Notre Dame allows would allow him to be because I think Notre Dame certainly has the tradition um, and excellence in history um, along the offensive line that it, you should be able to recruit at a high level at Notre Dame when you're an offensive line coach. So um, I think this class really needs a standout offensive tackle, in my opinion, um, I like Styles Prescott. I think he's good, but I think Lambert is great. Um, and so there's there's a, a difference there um, between Lambert um, and Prescott, in my opinion. Um, although I probably would put Kingston Viliamu Asa ahead of Lambert in terms of like my my personal wish list. Um, but I, I I could probably be swayed one way or the other. I'm curious to hear from our viewers if you guys want to uh, comment um, who. Who is your most sought-after recruit for Notre Dame in the 2024 class that, that's still remaining on Notre Dame's board? Who do you think is the most – Coveter would be the most important for Notre Dame to to add here in these last handful of months going into the early signing period. Um, and speaking of Kingston, Villiamuasa, like we mentioned, Ohio State's in the mix there, USC's in the mix there. How crushing of a loss would it be if Notre Dame were to lose out uh, in his recruitment? Yeah, I mean, every recruit's different, and obviously you have to see where their college careers go, but I think this one would be a tough pill to swallow just because I think Notre Dame has kind of, you know, thrown their best pitch. They've, they've done everything they could with them. Um, they got him on his official visit, uh, visited for the Blue Gold game. They prioritized him. Uh, he told me kind of they laid out, you know, the defensive plan for him and how he would fit in, inside the scheme at linebacker, but also, you know, play a little bit, you know, down, at, you know, maybe uh, – at the edge and uh, maybe do some coverage uh, on, you know, slot wide receivers and tight ends. And, you know, they have a plan for him and uh, the academics are, you know, something he's really interested in and his parents, you know, were really impressed. Um, but I think Ohio state, you know, is probably the team to beat right now. I know um, Ohio state linebacker commit Peyton Pierce, who was a Notre Dame target. Um, he tweeted something and uh, I think Kingston responded with a couple eyeball emojis. So um, there's definitely, you know, interest there and, 
I think he's built, you know, good good chemistry with that Ohio State class, especially uh, with Justin Scott being that centerpiece. Um, so I think it would be it would be a tough loss just because I think Notre Dame's done everything they could. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to move on and uh, maybe go potentially to Shaw, maybe kick the tires on Chris Cole, who they kind of cooled off on, or just shift their you know their focus to the twenty twenty five class. Yeah, I think it would be a major bummer. Like I mentioned, I think he might be even more important than Lambert, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know that Notre Dame has a has a recruit who I would consider like a certain thing at the linebacker position in this class. Bodie Cahoon has nice potential, um, and Teddy Rezac is certainly intriguing. But Viliamuasa feels way more like a sure thing to me. Like he is going to be a difference maker at the college level. He's an impact player. He has the – he seems to understand and get and appreciate what Notre Dame can do for him. And if that weren't – if Notre Dame weren't able to win out, given those circumstances, his ability and sort of his potential fit in the program, um, that would that would really sting in my opinion. And anytime you can, Notre Dame can get a recruiting win in California at St. John Bosco, that's always an added bonus. It isn't necessarily a school that Notre Dame – Gets tons of recruits out of, but it's a powerhouse program. And anytime you can get one, that usually always increases your chances to get another. So um, I think it would be a tough loss. I don't, like I said earlier, I don't know that it's certain where he's going to end up. And I, I'm not, I'm not writing Notre Dame off quite yet. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out here in the next couple of weeks before his commitment announcement. Um, so given the way, the way sort of things have fallen for Notre Dame in the last few weeks here with the recruiting misses at tight end, wide receiver, defensive end, defensive tackle, do you think that Notre Dame should circle back in any of those positions? Um, is there, is there any of those positions you think is the most important for Notre Dame to address or is, is Notre Dame sort of like what we talked about with the 2020 or the wide receiver position? Are they better off sort of just waiting for the 2025 class and making that a priority? Yeah, I think the two positions that stick out to me right now in terms of just kind of moving on and prioritizing 2025, uh, tied in uh, and then defensive end. Um, tied in, I think, you know, you did everything you could for Carter Nelson, but, you know, he chose to stay home and uh, commit to Nebraska, and you feel confident with Jack Larson moving forward um, and, you know, already having Nate Roberts in that next uh, recruiting cycle. And then, uh, defensive end, uh, I know we talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, Elijah Rushing was kind of more seen as a luxury. Um, mm -hmm. So having Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins and Bryce Young, uh, a Notre Dame legacy uh, in the fold, I think, you know, they're confident. Uh, maybe if, you know, Rivals doesn't isn't as high, you know, on Bryce Young and Cole Mullins uh, as the coaching staff is, uh, I think they, they're confident um, in getting, getting them, you know, uh, one to two years in the program. Um, and so forth. So I think I think Notre Dame's in a good spot at DN and tight end. Um, I think the one position um, would be defensive tackle. Um, if you weren't uh, able to flip Justin Scott, uh, I know we heard that you know they probably wouldn't push for any other 2024 guys. But uh, just with the recent uh, firing of um, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, um, I know 2024 uh, defensive tackle Dylan Johnson. He's a Northwestern commit. Uh, he visited Notre Dame in the spring. Um, He's only a three-star. He'd be tied with uh, current safety commit uh, Tabron Benny Powell for being the lowest-rated uh, commit in Notre Dame's class if he were to join. But 
Um, I think if, you know, defensive line coach Al Washington and uh, head coach Marcus Freeman feel like defensive tackle is a need and they need somebody else uh, with Siviano, maybe they can kick the tires on Dylan Johnson just because um, they did host him on a visit, um, maybe see how he performs his senior season if they think he's Notre Dame caliber. Um, but I think he's the only one um, I would look at at the defensive tackle position if you're not looking at Justin Scott. Yeah, I, I – Sort of like what I said with wide receivers, just I, I I wouldn't settle. Like, don't – there. I don't know that any of these positions are – it's not like the quarterback position last year. And I, I, in the end, I don't think Notre Dame necessarily settled with Kenny Minchie. I think that was a good addition. But Notre Dame, I thought, needed to get a quarterback. Like, he couldn't go – it couldn't finish that cycle without a, a quarterback. Um And – but I don't I don't – I don't feel that way necessarily without – about these other positions. Um So, I, I would prioritize difference makers and see if – See if there's someone that you that you like there. Um, I, I don't think tight end needs to be a big concern unless unless is like there's some internal worry about Eli Raritan's health long term coming off two knee injuries. If Notre Dame's a little bit leery about what's going to happen there with him and his long term viability, then maybe there's a reason to to push for another 2024 tight end. But there are other 2025 tight ends who we'll talk about a little bit later that Notre Dame. Um, is it a good position with, and obviously already has a commitment from Nate Roberts in that class, um, a four-star tight end, one of the t- best tight ends in the country. Um, defensive tackle was probably the position that I would prioritize and push hardest for if there's, you can find a fit there. So I don't know if that is Dylan Johnson or for someone else. I haven't heard any names yet, and I think um, that that any sort of names to come will probably be in the future. This sort of gets a little bit too – uh, smoking Scott's question here with KBA set to announce next week and some encouraging news on Gerby Lambert committing soon. Are there any other off the radar recruits to look out for in the 2024 class? I don't know that there's, we have a long list of those guys right now. I think sort of the way the cycle plays out is that you sort of made your big pushes for everyone to get on campus for official visits in June. And now we're in a dead period here. So you can't really like, make an audible and all of a sudden, unless a kid like had committed or visited a couple of times previously, you probably need, you're going to have to wait till their seasons get underway and your season gets underway to bring them on campus to, to make that push for them. And so because of that, you sort of have the ability to sort of evaluate these kids going into their senior seasons, seeing what they do in their first couple of games. Um, and and I, I think at this point, Notre Dame will be sort of, creating its list of guys to watch for, but I don't think that Notre Dame's necessarily going to make decisions on, okay, this is who we need to prioritize in the 2024 class at the X, Y, or Z position um, until it sees something from those, from those guys moving forward, unless there's something that like, well, we've been talking to Ryan Wingo and we know we love him. um, And now he wants to get back on campus. Then you can sort of revisit that. But I I don't, I don't think that um, there's going to be there is a list of guys that Notre Dame's like, we're going to make a push for this guy next quite yet. I think that's something that will be reevaluated here in the next couple months um, as Notre Dame sort of figures out where it needs to go based on the decisions of the of its top remaining targets. Um, beyond, beyond defensive tackle, I think defensive end would be the second position that I would seriously consider um, adding to because it's just like you always need defensive ends, right? Like I, I like the combination of Bryce Young and Cole Mullins. Um, but I do, I do think that if you can get a, 
another guy and Logan Thomas. Um, so that's it's a pretty good trio in my opinion. But if you can get a fourth guy, um, like we were talking about, Elijah Rushing would have been great to have him, but he was more of a luxury than a need. But if that if there's someone that rises to that level that you feel like, hey, we we can't pass up him at defensive end. Let's let's make a push for him. Then I think you you, you sort of entertain that. Are there any under-the-radar or off-the-radar guys that you have in mind besides Dylan Johnson, Charleston? No, Tyler. I think you put it pretty well. I think if they add to the 2024 class with any names that, you know, might have, you know, not taken any official visits, I think it's blue-chip talent, five-star, four-star guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're looking for off-the-radar guys, that would probably, you know, come in the 2025 class with guys who start, you know, with strong junior seasons and kind of get on the radar. I think uh, 2024 guys, Notre Dame, uh, probably won't you know be looking at any guys who kind of jump off the page uh, their senior years. All right, thank you for that question, Smoking Scott. Um, speaking of that 2025 class, Charleston, uh, later this month, Notre Dame is planning a cookout event um, after the dead period ends with 2025 recruits. Um, who are some of the most important names that we have confirmed so far on the Insider Lounge? Yeah, so like you said, for the full list, head over to the Insider Lounge. Uh, you know, we have a list of guys, um, you know, planning to uh, come to the cookout event at the end of the month. And um, I highlighted three guys uh, just for my personal list. I think um, starting off with uh, four-star offensive tackle, uh, Owen Strybig. Um, mm. I think he's he's a really talented player. and He's still kind of, you know, growing into what he could become um, technique-wise and stuff like that. But all the physicals are there. Uh, Rivals has him at 6'8", 295. Uh, I know he visited Notre Dame this summer. Um, he visited Notre Dame in the spring, so this will be his third time um, on campus uh, this calendar year. And I just think, you know, if uh, Joe Rudolph wants to be kind of taken seriously and, um, you know, if he could land Lambert and then kind of make good traction on Strybig heading into his junior season, I think that could get a lot of Notre Dame fans to buy into um, him as a recruiter. And there's the Wisconsin connection. Um, between the two. So um, I exchanged some messages with Strybig and he's really excited um, to, you know, uh, be on campus again uh, later this month. And then uh, number two for me is four-star defensive end Christopher Burgess Jr. Um, You know, he's been, he's been, you know, uh, surging kind of up the rankings. And um, I know at the rivals five-star kind of challenge combine uh, last month, he got defensive line MVP. Um, And we got to see him at Irish Invasion and um, again, he's a guy who, you know, doesn't like the physical tools. Uh, he's from Chicago, Simeon, uh, kind of known as a basketball school, but, um, you know, he's making he's making headway as a football recruit there. And mm-hmm. um, I think Al Washington, a lot of, you know, fans have kind of soured on, you know, what he uh, maybe what he uh, lacked in Justin Scott's recruitment. But um, the Chicago kind of 2025 class, especially that defensive defensive line class is full of guys um, who you know, we'll get into uh, either later today or in the future. But um, I think Burgess is probably one of the most talented out of that group. And he has genuine interest in Notre Dame. This will be his third visit as well. He visited for the spring game, um, Irish Invasion, um, and then he'll be back this summer. And then uh, the last guy I have on my list is uh, four-star running back Justin Thurman. Um, he's in line for a big junior season at uh, Jesuit down in Tampa. I spoke with his offensive coordinator, uh, got a really good grasp on just kind of who Justin is as a person, his family. Um, he kind of fits what Notre Dame wants in a student athlete. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's kind of 
he's kind of, you know, the perfect kind of candidate to maybe be one of the first commits uh, to Notre Dame if it were to play out. I think, um, you know, the coaches just want to see more of him and uh, kind of see how, you know, his junior season goes with, you know, he'll now be kind of the bell cow of that offense. But um, he's a really athletic kid. Um, I know he impressed uh, with, you know, his measurements and um, his athletic testing at Notre Dame's camp uh, last month. Uh, so this will be a second time on campus in that many months. And I just think, um, you know, running back, uh, if you can make, you know, good headway on that class after, um, you know, getting Kedron Young and uh, Aeneas Williams, I think, you know, Justin Thurman would be the, you know, the perfect back to kind of kickstart that class. Yeah, the, the only other one that I would want to uh, highlight is someone that is going to be here a few days before the cookout, and that's quarterback Deuce Knight. Um, obviously, has become sort of Notre Dame's top priority at the quarterback position in terms of who Notre Dame likes and also who likes Notre Dame. He, it seems like it's a Tennessee and Notre Dame battle at this point. Um, Alabama came in there with an offer, but I think his, his interest in Notre Dame is certainly real. Um, and Notre Dame is in a good spot with him early on here. Um, and I think I, it's, it's early, but the quarterbacks tend to come off the board early. Um, and so I think Notre Dame will have a good sense of like, if it's, if it, if it can really win his recruitment coming out of that visit. So that's going to be a very important visit for Notre Dame moving forward with Deuce Knight, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, um, planning to get up here on July 27th. Um, plenty of other names to talk about that will, that will be covering on insideindysports.com and the insider lounge. I don't. I didn't count the names. I think we're. I think we're over like a dozen at this point. Um, the the list keeps getting longer um, as we progress throughout the month and guys sort of figure out what their plans are for later this month. So Notre Dame's going to have a pretty impressive list of visitors on campus in July to to maybe boost that 2025 class. And that event is usually pretty successful. Like Notre Dame has guys in the 2024 class that were on campus at that time. At this, at that time, at the end of July last year, for part for his cookout event, and and we'll continue to um, try to make that make headways. I think Owen Strebick, who you mentioned, he would probably be the one that I would would see. We maybe borderline commit watch. Um, I think that Notre Dame feels really good about where it's at with him, and um, I w- wouldn't be terribly surprised if he wanted to end his recruitment early and and hop on board with, with Notre Dame because uh, the interest there is certainly certainly high. Um, I want to make another call for questions. If you have questions, please send them our way soon so we can get them in before the end of the show. Um, it can be recruiting related or football related, um, and we will be happy to tackle it for you. Um, my next question for you, Charleston, is about sort of the bigger picture of the 2025 class. What do you think are Notre Dame's biggest needs in that class as, as we sit here today um, in July? Yeah, just to echo what you said, Tyler, uh, let's get some questions in. You know, we can do anything uh, outside of recruiting if you guys would like. Um, but, you know, moving into the 2025 class, I think uh, the biggest needs have to start with safety um, just because of how that um, has gone in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Um, I think uh, three guys that um, kind of stick out to me right now are Ethan Long, uh, Jadon Blair, and Ivan Taylor. In uh, you know, I spoke with Jadon Blair's uh, head coach today uh, from Mount Tabor, uh, North Carolina, um, and that story will be out tomorrow. But, you know, he's an impressive guy. Um, his father played in the NFL for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns. 
Um, so he has football in his blood, and this will be his first time on uh, Notre Dame's campus. Uh, he's a part of the visitors list for July 30th. Um, so he's a guy um, I really like at the position. Um, Ethan Long is another one. Um, but I think just the safety position, Chris O'Leary kind of, you know, needs to, you know, kind of leave his footprint um, in the 2025 class since, um, you know, he probably didn't perform as well as he or the fans would like in the 2024 class. Um, even though you got a guy like Bronte Johnson, I just think stuff could have been handled better. Um, and then the other position, I think, um, is probably going to be a need for the 2025 class. And I don't think it's being kind of talked about enough is um, let's say you miss on Kingston. Um, let's say stuff goes south and you miss on Shaw. Um, I think linebacker could be a position uh, that isn't being talked about enough that you kind of need a stockpile in the 2025 class. And uh, just a few guys I wrote down uh, that have either been on campus or um, I kind of like um, that Notre Dame is pursuing. I uh, start off with Noah Michael, um, visited in the spring. Uh, Anthony Williams, linebacker who uh, camped at Irish Invasion. Uh, those two are going to be hard pulls, in my opinion, just because they're from recruiting hotbeds, California and Texas. Um, Anthony Saka uh, visited for the spring game, uh, but he's a Penn State legacy, so he's another uh, kind of tough pull, tough to gauge his interests. Um, he hasn't made you know any plans to return to Notre Dame for a visit, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, and Christian Jones, um, a guy from Nebraska, uh, who I believe is teammates with Teddy Rizak. And um, I just think Notre, his interest in Notre Dame is uh, real. Uh, I know Greg Smith spoke with him uh, in Atlanta at the Rivals kind of five-star uh, combine uh, last month. And uh, I think he's a game changer. Uh, I would like to see how he performs his junior season. But um, I think he's a guy uh, who Notre Dame would love in the linebacker class. Yeah. Uh, in 2025, if they miss out on Kingston and if they miss out on Shaw, which I think is a real possibility that's probably not being uh, talked about enough right now. Yeah, um, I had both of those listed on my list of biggest needs. Um, Michael says get a 2025 quarterback soon. Knight, Knight, Deuce Knight, who we were previously talking about, would be awesome if that came to fruition. I am in agreement there. I, I think one of the things that Notre Dame hasn't done a good enough job with in, I don't know, the last decade plus, is sort of back-to-back great quarterbacks. Um, Notre Dame doesn't necessarily it – get, it can get a high four-star quarterback. It can get um, a Brandon Wimbush. It can get a C.J. Carr. Um, but it doesn't it, – it, it doesn't – it hasn't um, been able to sort of back those guys up. So then if, if, if say – CJ Carr doesn't pan out, which I don't know that I believe that'll be the case. But if he doesn't, then you have the next guy right up there, ready to, ready to go, and someone that you have a lot of confidence in, and you're not um, maybe settling. I, I, Notre Dame was fortunate that Ian Book turned out to be the prospect that he was um, because he was just a three star recruit, but he ended up obviously having a successful career and made the the law or made Brandon Wimbush maybe not living up to his expectations the hit of that wasn't as sharp because Ian book um, excelled, but um, Notre Dame's in the, in, in his position now without Tyler Buckner. Um, do you, do you know that Steve Angeli is your next big thing? I, I think so. people are sort of are jumping our, our already ahead to CJ Carr or Kenny Minchie um, because Notre Dame with Steve Angeli didn't necessarily get a, a highly touted quarterback recruit. So I think that, 
That's why I would include quarterback on my needs list, even though obviously Notre Dame got a really good quarterback in the 2024 class. Um, I would include defensive tackle on that list, like we, like I mentioned before, that um, I think that's a position I, I would always want to prioritize. Um, Davion Dixon's a good start, certainly. Um, but if Notre Dame's only going to have one in the 2024 class, I think you need to get um, at least two in that 2025 class. Defensive end, um, I think that's always an important position, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so those would be probably the five positions, in the, the three in addition to the two that you said, linebacker and safety, that I think um, are serious needs for Notre Dame in that 2025 class um, because – at least on the defensive side, I don't know that Notre Dame is sort of continually recruited at a high level at those positions well enough, especially at safety. Um, safety, Notre Dame got in a position in this 2024 class that it missed on some of its top guys early, and so it, it still found some answers, but um, how good are those answers? I think Bronte Johnson is a big addition to there, but I think that's the one that you feel the most confident in. After that, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if – Kennedy Erlacher or Tabron Benny Powell are going to be difference makers at the safety position for Notre Dame. So I think finding those guys in that 2025 class will be very important. And and linebacker, like you said, yeah, I think that's another one. I like I, that sort of goes in line with me saying, well, I think not getting Kingston Villiano also would be a big loss because I'm not sure that you know how good your linebackers are in the 2024 class. So the 2025 class would be crucial to get a good good haul in as well. Um, let's throw in this question here before we talk about uh, the 2025 positions that Notre Dame's in the best position with. Um, Tim B asks, what part of the team are you most excited about coming into fall camp and why? Yeah, so I'll probably start with wide receivers uh, just mm-hmm. because I love what you know, Coach Stuckey has done with that room and uh, having Sam Hartman at quarterback is just a plus. Um, he's a guy who, you know, is proven in college and, um, they want to air it out under Coach Parker while also kind of establishing the run. Um, and I think the wide receiver room is, you know, as talented as it's been in years. And I think uh, the influx of young talent and also kind of veteran talent that, you know, have something to prove. Um, I just think they're in a really good spot. And I think it could be a really exciting fall camp in terms of, you know, competition, uh, healthy competition, um, and also kind of having the uh, cream rise to the top. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to watch uh, the wide receiver uh, group uh, if I had to pick out one position. Yeah, I think I think that's a good one. Jason, thanks for joining us as well. Um, I think wide receiver is probably at the top of my list. And it, it sort of goes hand in hand with Sam Hartman, right? Like, I don't know that I would be excited as excited about the wide receiver position if Sam Hartman weren't the quarterback. Um, but because he is, I think that opens up the possibilities of that position. And I, I really do like um, – where Notre Dame stands with the wide receivers. I think Jaden Thomas is going to have a significant uptick in production this season. I think Tobias Merriweather has a chance to have a real breakout season. Um, I like Deion Colsey. Jaden Greathouse certainly made it his his case to make an impact this year um, the Blue Gold game. Um, so I, I think those that's probably the number one position um, just because of the numbers of, of players there. Um, and what uh, what can happen there. Um, to pick a position that's different than Charleston so we're not repeating each other, um, I would probably go with offensive line. Um, certainly people know what Notre Dame has at the offensive tackle positions with Joe Walt and Blake Fisher. 
Um, though I think Blake Fisher is certainly in position to play even better than he did last year, whereas Joel, I don't think there's any question about the level of play that he had last year. Um, but I'm really excited to see what the what the, how the guard position shakes out. Is Billy Shrouth ready to to step up and be a starter? Um, can Rocco Spindler get back in the mix? Is Andrew Kristofic going to be reliable enough um, as a as a veteran guy to step up in that guard position? I'm really curious to see how those guard competitions play out and what um, Joe Rudolph is able to do um, with those guys. So um, it's going to be an interesting sort of preseason camp for the offense to see what it can become um, and the potential. Cause I think that, I think there's a lot of excitement about what it can become, but we, we have to sort of see it sort of come together before we feel that. I think I probably have bigger questions about the defense in terms of, okay, what, what is, what does the safety position look like? How does it, how does it all play out with the transfers back there um, with whether or not Antonio Carter is playing a lot of safety, Thomas Harper, is he playing more nickelback? Can those guys stay healthy? Um, what's Cam Hart's health like in the secondary? Um, so there's lots of questions there defensively. Who's going to step up on the defensive line? Because there's not they lost a lot of uh, production there uh, with some guys leaving the program for the NFL. Um, so in terms of the excitement, it, it's it's on the offensive side for me. But in terms of curiosity and like importance, I think the the defensive side is going to going to be fascinating to track. Um, as well as we go into preseason camp. So, um, and then it's always, it's always interesting too, is when you're open with Navy, it's like, well, how much are we actually going to learn about the defense moving forward? Because um, certainly there's not exactly a lot that transition translates from stopping that triple option offense to, to playing against Ohio state later, later that month, or I guess it would be a different month in, in September. Um, Jason Smith asked, who do you guys think starts at right guard? Shrouth has left guard sewed up, I think. Yeah, Tyler, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one first, and then I'll chime in. I, I would lean towards Andrew Kristofic. I think the experience there will probably win out for him. Um, I think that he has shown some ability there. I think he, he needs to continue to improve. I, I like his athleticism. Uh, I think his strength is something that I have a little bit of concern about. Um, but obviously he's had time in this offseason to improve that. So hopefully that is that we start to see that this this camp. I think that that was the one thing that I thought that Rocco Spindler could definitely give you is sort of that tenacity at, at the right guard position. Um, so I do think there's a chance that he could unseat Andrew Kristofic, who I, who I consider personally the favorite um, at that right guard position, but I don't think anything's really settled yet. I think any guys could sort of have a big, big preseason camp and step up in that spot. Um, especially if, as Jason says, if, if Billy Strauss sort of locks down that left guard position, then he can sort of throw everyone at the right guard spot with Pat, get Pat Coogan in the mix, see what he can do. Ashton Craig, see what he can do. Um, I think there's a lot of different options there. Um, if, if you know for certain that your left guard position is, is going to be Billy Shroud. So um, I'm not, I, I think it'll probably be a little bit more open at both spots to start during the preseason camp. But um, I think that uh, there's certain, I mean, I'm an offensive line geek, so I'm always interested in it. Uh, so I, I would probably put Christophic at the top of the list, but I'm not, I'm not really ruling out anybody quite yet. 
Yeah, to piggyback off what you said, I probably see a rotation um, throughout fall camp. And as you get closer to Navy, I'll probably just go Spindler uh, just because, um, you know, one of my uh, first uh, days at spring camp was talking to uh, offensive lineman coach uh, Joe Rudolph. And um, I just think uh, a lot of questions were kind of regarded to that guard uh, battle. And I I just think uh, it'll come down to, you know, who wants it more. And um, I think it'll be close, uh, but I'll probably go Spindler. All right, um, and let's wrap up with our discussion of where, which positions we think Notre Dame is in the best shape in with the 2025 class. We've talked a lot about both classes so far. We haven't talked about maybe where we feel Notre Dame is in the best spot in the 2025 class. So which position groups do you think Notre Dame has a good um, beat on and that, that could really be strengths of Notre Dame's class moving forward? Yeah, so I'll start with tight end. Uh, the tight end position, I think having Nate Roberts in the fold uh, already is huge. I think he's arguably the top tight end uh, in the 2025 class, just when you look at, you know, the combination of uh, receiving ability, blocking ability, uh, just kind of that modern prototype tight end. Um, and a reason I say tight end is because uh, James Flanagan, uh, Notre Dame legacy son of uh, Jim Flanagan, uh, who played at Notre Dame in the 1990s. Um, I exchanged messages with him today and uh, he's scheduled to uh, return to campus later this month uh, for the July 30th cookout. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of between Notre Dame and Wisconsin um, when it's all said and done. Um, but I think, you know, obviously Notre Dame's in a good spot. And I think uh, they'll be more than willing to take two tight ends in the 2025 class, especially after missing out on Carter Nelson. Um, so I think tight end is, you know, the position I look at right now that you think kind of you're in the best spot. Um, and then offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. Uh, let's say you miss out on Lambert. Um, I think, you know, Strybig, I know you said he's a possible commit watch later this month. I think you're in a good position for him. Uh, that relationship with uh, Joe Rudolph is real. Um, and then Matty Augustine, um, teammates with uh, safety target Ethan Long. He's another offensive tackle who, um, if I kind of had to pick right now, it's probably between Michigan and Notre Dame heading into his junior season. Uh, he's another guy who we've confirmed on the insider lounge uh, is heading back to campus later this month alongside Ethan Long. Um, I know he's going to try to get to a game as well this this fall, but um, I think those two offensive tackles uh, right now, Notre Dame's in you know a really good position for. I think Notre Dame you know is very interested in them, uh, and they've reciprocated that uh, with either visiting or just kind of keeping in communication. Um, so I'd probably go O line and. Uh, tight end is uh, my two strongest positions right now. Yeah, I think those are good picks. The tight end, even even beyond Flanagan at tight end, whether it's Ryan Gee or Jack Van Dorsler, I think Notre Dame has has options at the t the tight end position as it usually does, um, given its its on field success at the position. Um, I think just like Jason said, beat me to a running back. I think is one that Notre Dame's in a good spot with right now. Um, you talked about Justin Thurman returning, Daniel Anderson who was like uh, somebody we didn't know a lot about when he came to Notre Dame and camped and he, his only other offer was from Long Island um, and then got to Notre Dame's campus and Notre Dame offered uh, him as well. And now Rivals ranks him as a four-star running back. Notre Rivals likes what he it's sees in him, similar to how Notre Dame felt strongly about Daniel Anderson coming out of Arkansas and coming up to camp this, this past month in June. Um, so I think running back is a good good position where Notre Dame is having some success and wide receiver as well. Sort of as we talked about earlier, that that's a position that 
if Notre Dame doesn't get three wide receivers in the 2024 class, it's not the end of the world because it is in such a strong position with some of the 2025 running backs. So I think, or wide receivers. Um, so I think that the, the, the wide, wide receiver group, the running back group, in addition to offensive line and tight end, which seems to be a bit of a running theme here. The offense, offensive coaching staff seems to be out recruiting the defensive coaching staff as of late. So um, I'd be interested to hear if Notre Dame feels the same way about that. Um, Marcus Freeman obviously has a lot of pride in, in, in its, in the defense being the former defensive coordinator. So um, we'll see if Notre Dame can sort of pick up its recruiting efforts defensively in that 2025 class, because early on here, it seems that the offense is in a better position than, than the defense so far. Um, let's fit in one more question here. Tim B asked another question. Um, which transfer excluding Sam Hartman do you think has the most impact this year? This is a tough one for me. Um, I'll probably go uh, move to safety um, with uh, the transfer who came in. Um, I'm blanking on his name, Antonio Carter. Antonio um, Carter, okay. Yeah, um, I know um, you and Eric sat down with him uh, for a podcast, and um, I think he probably has the most impact this year. Uh, just kind of the research I did on him uh, individually. I, I liked his film and um, don't really know how he's going to fit in yet. Uh, I would like to – see, you know, where they have him at fall camp and see um, mm -hmm. how much traction he's made. I know it's tough to come in and maybe be that immediate contributor, which with the timing of his transfer, but I think by the uh, end of maybe the regular season um, and going into either the postseason or whether that be, you know, college football playoff, a bowl game, I think he could be somebody we look back upon and say, hey, man, he really, he really showed uh, why Notre Dame, you know, took him uh, through the transfer portal. Um, and he kind of brings something to the safety room that uh, was needed. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that Antonio Carter can make an impact, even though he's making the jump from Rhode Island. Um, but any of those defensive guys, I think, have an opportunity to. Thomas Harper, as long as he's healthy, I think, at the nickelback position, that could be a real value add to Notre Dame. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, we didn't. I, I, he wasn't overwhelming in the spring to to feel like okay I, I've seen it now like I, he's ready to make that next step that he didn't necessarily make at Ohio State as he was behind some other guys but I think there is some confidence from within Notre Dame that he is ready to do that um, he's an interesting um, player uh, person off the field uh, sorry I sort of blanked on what I, I wanted to say kid but he's a grad grad transfer he's no longer a kid anymore so I can't call him a kid um he uh, he's probably he's probably older than Charleston. Um, I think uh, uh, I think there's a real opportunity for him, and there's some confidence from him in his game, and some confidence from the Notre Dame coaching staff that he's ready to make that that step up. I he didn't play in that blue gold game, so maybe Notre Dame's keeping him as a little bit of a secret. I don't I don't think there's any serious concern about his readiness to be able to compete this this fall. Um, so I think that, that he will have a, an opportunity to make a, a real impact this season as well. So there's a good list there. I know Notre Dame isn't necessarily recruiting transfers in at such a like high level in terms of the qual quantity of the recruits, but I think it has it found guys at positions of need that will have, have an opportunity to make an impact, and that's what Marcus Freeman wants to prioritize in the transfer portal, guys that can come in and make an impact, not necessarily guys that are coming in for depth because if you're a depth piece as a transfer, like 
it, it might not work out for you in the long run. So I think uh, that that uh, those guys are all going to have an opportunity to make make an impact defensively. Um, I don't know that anyone's going to be more impactful than, than Sam Hartman, but those guys all all have opportunities to be really productive in Notre Dame's defense. All right. Thank you to everyone for submitting questions to us and, and tuning in. That's it for this week's episode of Football Never Sleeps. Um, the next time we're back on here will probably be the last week of July when Notre Dame gets camp started with Eric and I back here hosting. Um, we are Charleston and I are hoping to have an Inside Indy Sports podcast later this week. Um, if we don't, Eric may have one next week. Um, uh, stay tuned to Twitter. We'll, we'll ask for questions if we need questions for that. Um, and then obviously uh, – It'll show up in your podcast feeds. Um, if you subscribe to our podcast, make sure you do that, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts normally. Uh, we should be wherever that is. Um, and this uh, Football Never Sleeps will also appear there. Obviously, if you're hearing this part of the, of the YouTube video, you probably don't need to hear it on, on the podcast as well. But maybe you want to listen to us twice. So um, we're getting close to actual football to talk about. That's right, Tim. I'm looking forward to that. Um, transfer portal will be in the past and real actual football will be in the present um, sooner rather than later. So we're looking forward to that. Um, like we said earlier, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the Inside Any Sports channel. Um, and as always, we have covered for you on the Insider Lounge and InsideNDSports.com. Have a good evening. <laughs>